Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And what El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. Young, crowd full side, he slides it into the nets. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa. Villa's a big clap mate, so... Gather round Villains and welcome to another episode of Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast produced by underagaslitlamp.com. Mercifully, some would say we had no match to review this uh, from last weekend, um, but we shall be picking up on a few of the emerging issues from the Villa week and looking ahead to the trip to Leicester City this Saturday. I'm Andy, and this week I'm joined once again by Craig. Hey Andy, hey listener. It is delightful to be back on the Villa Lamp show. It's been an interesting uh, weekend in, in, in Villa Twitter and in Villa, the Villaverse indeed, because uh, even though we didn't have a game, it seems as though there's been a lot going on, Andy. Well, there certainly has, and um, like we say, even though it was a, a blank Easter weekend um, for Villa, it hasn't stopped uh, the so-called uh, meltdown amongst the fan base. As Villa slipped to 15th in the league table without kicking a ball, with Brighton, Southampton, Brentford and Newcastle all winning this weekend, it means Villa are now only one place better off than when Steven Gerrard took over um, last November as doubts about the the direction of the club are rife amongst supporters. Admittedly, Villa have have games in hand now, so could turn that around again. However, they say the league table doesn't lie, and it feels like an indictment, really, of of the appointment of Gerard at the moment, as as though you know, obviously, nothing has improved. Um, have we seen a, an overreaction this weekend, or is it a fair, or is it fair to question some of the decisions that, uh, at the club so far this season? Yeah, I think I think that the I think it's completely fair. I think some people don't think it's fair, and it's a weird kind of dichotomy between the people who think absolutely you can't ask any questions of anyone, and the people who are you know questioning everything. I think that it's probably fair to say at this point, with us on thirty six points. And in 15th place, that all in all, it's been a bad season for Aston Villa. Now, there's probably lots of blame to go around in this, Andy. Dean Smith certainly takes his share of the blame. And he, look, he paid his price. Uh, His pound of flesh has been extracted because he lost his job. So let's park Dean Smith to the side for a minute. Steven Gerrard's been in in charge for the majority of the season. Um, So some people say he has no responsibility because he's new. Uh, some people say he has all the responsibility because he's had a transfer window. He's been able to bring in Coutinho, Chambers, uh, Dina, um, and he's had the majority of the season. So lots of it falls on his shoulders. And also people are questioning the recruitment. I think we spoke about this a little bit in last week's show, where you're looking at really what seems to be a little bit of a scattergun now in retrospect in the summer with uh, Buendia, Bailey and and Ings coming in. Uh, and none of them really even starting for Aston Villa at this point and, and brought in at great expense. So I think it's fair enough to look at all all kind of considerations. There's definitely questions for answer for Smith, but again, he answered them. He's been fired. 
Um, he was responsible for a portion of our league position. Gerard, absolutely, of course, is responsible for a portion of our league position because he's the man in charge. And um, also Perslow, Langer, Rob McKenzie, the powers that be, also have to take some responsibility because the recruitment seems to have been really poor. So I think it's fair that Villa fans are disappointed. We are, we've been kind of spoiled in the last few years because Dean Smith oversaw year-on-year improvement. Um, that was one of the kind of major things that we said about Dean being sacked, is it being like harsh because he had not, he'd done, the only thing he'd done every year is improve Aston Villa. Um, we don't know if he would have finished above 11th place this season because he wasn't given that opportunity. But it looks difficult for Villa to finish above that 11th place last, uh, this season. And it also looks impossible, certainly for us, to beat that 55%, uh, 55 point tally from last season. So I suppose there's lots of kind of things there to discuss, Andy. Lots of stuff to get your teeth into. Um, and I think that lots of fuel has been added to this fire actually by Perslow with his statement that he made when he sacked Dean Smith when he said that Dean Smith was sacked and I'm paraphrasing but because we need to see continuous improvement on the field at Aston Villa well that continuous improvement that Gerard wanted to see by sacking Dean Smith has not been is not there so maybe it starts with him I mean where are you looking? Where are you pointing your finger of blame, Andy? Well, like you say, I think I think there are a whole raft of um, things that have happened at the club, um, and unbeknownst to us, the first the first kind of drop stitch, if you like, um, in the the tapestry of Villas to get a bit Del Boy now, but the tapestry of Villas um, Villas improvement was 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 the um, the release clause that was put into Grealish's con contract when he signed it um what was it you know a couple of summers ago um that was the first the first mistake really and although you could argue you know that could have gone either way it could have been a a master stroke um we could still have him now at the club um but that was the first the first problem so he, he he ended up going um you can't replace a player like that overnight as I've, I've I've talked about before you can't you just can't do it um he was he was all encompassing uh, to Aston Villa on and off the pitch um for better or worse and 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 I think um you know they've they've vastly underestimated that the other thing that I was reminded of today was that of course we lost uh, we also lost John Terry and Richard O'Kelly in the summer um and I'm sure that had a huge bearing on on Dean Smith's ability um, to motivate um, motivate the squad, I think I think um, you know if I'm right in thinking, John Terry came in in our second year in the Championship, and the place had been an absolute clown car for a good seven or eight years um, before that, um, and he brought stability, he brought a winning mentality, he brought professionalism. Um, everyone in that squad pretty much across the board improved, um, including Jack Grealish. Um, and we were perhaps a bit unfortunate not to go up that season. But that continued um, when he took the, the coaching job under Smith the year after. You know, the, 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 you know, the professionalism, the standards were there. We were, we were it felt like we were, um, you know, a proper outfit again. 
And of course, you know, you lose that and you, you hope that some of those values continue. But unfortunately, that winning mentality um, has left the squad um, through the same door that John Terry left, in my opinion. And, um, you know, it's only part of the answer. Um, Dean Smith ultimately is responsible for, for that as well um, before he got he got sacked. But those players have have have, like I said before, um, they've they've down tools effectively on the manager that gave them everything. The manager that loved them, like you say, we talked about Ollie Watkins and um, various other players that that you know he put an arm around and and gave them confidence. Well, you know they didn't they didn't they didn't back that up, did they? Um, and now they're doing a similar thing to Gerard. Now I think Gerard is 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 probably um, aware of of the limitations in that squad and some of the some of the attitudes and the mentality. And I think he's he's probably just just trying to ride it out till the summer so he can address it properly um, and 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 you know and make sure that you know you know if there are some you always get a cross section of characters. Not everyone can be a a, a brutally hard nosed winner, um, you know, but. At the end of the day, you need you need a good balance. You need those leaders. You need those people bringing up the standards. And at the moment, we haven't got many of those. And uh, I think that's where we're, we're falling down at the moment. Um, still, that doesn't account for the um, you know the tactical issues and, and and things like that that we've had. But you know, um, it probably accounts for the fact that I think there are too many in that play, players in that dressing room who are who are quite comfortable with losing every week unfortunately well this is an interesting thing as well because the mentality of the players has definitely been questioned so I would suggest perhaps we need to consider who in that dressing room is 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 part of the problem and who is part of the solution because Gerard has not been changing the players around the players that are losing every week and and, and I've been critical of Konza um because uh, Gerard playing Konza over Chambers when Chambers didn't seem to do anything particularly wrong. Konza's not been in good form, and yet Konza's been in the team. Um, Douglas Ruiz has been in the team. People have criticised him. People queue up to criticise Tyrone Minks, whether he does something wrong or not, and he's still in the team. Uh, Ramsey, I've been advocating for Ramsey to have a rest since January, <laughs> um, and he's still in the team. Watkins' form has been patchy. He's still in the team. So although we can look at the players and say maybe they've down tools and maybe they have down tools. So the question I suppose I would throw back to you, Andy, on, on that one is why on earth is he still picking the same players? Why hasn't he given Carney Chokomenko a run? Why hasn't he given um, um, Chambers a run, one of his players in the team? Um, why isn't he looking to some of the, the youth team players, Tim Orogbunham? Why has he not had a start? As we're playing basically for nothing, and if these players are, as as not only you, Andy, but lots of Villa fans have suggested, they're they're done. They're down tools because they know they're out the door. Why on earth is Gerard picking them? That's a good question. I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe he he sees things in training that he feels, you know, is it's it's right to continue the same the same way. I mean, we spoke about this last week, didn't we? You know, he he brought. Um, Morgan Sanson and, and and Leon Bailey in for the for the Wolves game and then immediately dropped them, even though 
like you said, Sanson's probably the, the best of the midfielders and, and Leon Bailey was probably no worse than anyone else. Um, so it, it's an interesting one. I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know how to... The only the only other thing is maybe he's just he's just hammering the point home, you know, um, to someone <laughs> that the you know these players just aren't aren't up to it. Sometimes sometimes um, you know managers do that, don't they? But you know, I, uh, it's 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 such a it's such a tricky one. I just think um, clearly there's a you know there's there's a a mismatch there, isn't there? There's a, a very much a difference between. You know what what Steven Gerrard is asking of those players and what they feel prepared to 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 do and or able to do, I guess. Um, and that's um, you know that's that's part of the issue really that we're that that we're in at the minute. Um, you know, and it's affecting the whole it's affecting the whole club really. That the whole club feels just feels very very um, stagnant, very um, very low. Um, you know, there's not much kind of um, positivity around, is there at all? Um, which you might expect, I suppose, after a, a bit of a dodgy season. But I think there are mitigations. I just think, but I, I think sometimes you you look to, um, you you know, you look to the the manager perhaps to, you know, to round up the wagons a little bit and you know and 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 make us. If you can't do what he wants to do, make us hard to beat. And I know that's something that you've been, you've been calling for, um, you know, throughout. Really, I may have mentioned it, Andy. <laughs> you know, because that's it. Nothing, nothing, nothing um, gives confidence like a clean sheet, does it? You know, that's that that's that's a huge thing um, for any team at this level is to is to keep a clean sheet and and win a game or or not sometimes, but to, just to to be hard to beat um, brings confidence, I think, and. Um, that would have been the, the the way forward, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think Gerard himself could have avoided some of this scrutiny, some of this unwanted attention that he has been getting from elements of the fan base. Um, although no no one in the media so far, I don't think, has, has said anything against him whatsoever. And so that might be an interesting one to watch if if results do continue to be poor. Who will be the first person in the media to kind of break ranks? Because Gerard is such an icon that um, that. You're a brave, probably journo, to 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 even question him because it seems like he has this aura about him. Um, but yeah, I think if Gerard had just been able to keep a couple of clean sheets and stuff like that, then absolutely we'd be able to think about something different. Certainly, we wouldn't be looking at, at four defeats in a row for a start. Even if you turn a couple of those into draws, I think we were talking about this a little bit last week. It changes the the dynamic. It changes the 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 whole perception of the football club. Now you tweeted something, Andy, last week, which I want to ask you about. You tweeted. Why would you read my tweet? I did. You tweeted. <laughs> you tweeted something approximating. I think it was a, was it a picture of Jack and, and Dino, and you yeah. said something like, and and this is I think after you'd been at Villa Park, something about the heart having left Aston Villa. Is that part of what we're seeing? Part of the meltdown? Part of dissatisfaction? Have we all just fallen a little bit out of love with 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 our, you know, that kind of romance story? That the lad from Solihull, the lad from Great Bar, leading Villa to the promised land, has that kind of romantic narrative that we all and I'll hand, hold my hands up. I got swept up in that. I they got me hook, line, and sinker. Old Jack, Jack and, and Dino, has the loss of Jack and Dean Smith. Do you think is that feeding into a kind of 
almost a disconnect between Aston Villa now and the fan base where we just don't yes we we know Gerard and we and we and we know um we know Mings and we know we know we know the players and the manager but they we don't have this kind of almost almost visceral connection to them in a way that we may have done to um to to Jack Grealish and Dean Smith yeah, I think it's certainly part of it. I think psych- psychologically and emotionally, um, it's felt different since since, De- since Dean left for sure. Um, it's a bit difficult with with Jack because, um, you know, really we've had we had a whole sort of eighteen months of of, of not connecting with him um, in person, sort of on the in the stadium, but. I don't know. I just think it is that kind of end of an era type of thing, isn't it? Where you know De- Dean Smith and, and and Jack Grealish was such sort of um, sort of connecting icons at the at the club that you know, and and they were successful as well. Let's not forget, you know, that that they, they were both in their in in the context of of Aston Villa at that time. They were incredibly successful um, as a as a manager and a captain. So. Um, there's that as well. It's kind of that that end of it's that that journey is over, isn't it? And and we're we're kind of now we're stuck in limbo, waiting for the next the next stage and wondering if it's going to which direction it's going to take us in. Really, you know, we 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 all hope, don't we? And we I think there's been an assumption um, that there will be this continuous progress, but I don't think that's how football works. I don't think. Um, you can have that, and I, I actually, I would question Christian Perslow and the owners um, if they expected continuous progress this season, having sold sold the um, the heart and soul of the club. Um, that to me is 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 a uh, a contradiction in terms. Um, so I'd love to know what their view, their genuine view on that. If you're going to sell the, the the best player and take the hundred million. Um, and he's not just the best player; he was everything. You know, let's let's get it right. Um, you and you you still expect to move forward? I think that's. I think I think you're asking an awful lot. Well, that was the pretext used to to sack Dean Smith again. Another part of that kind of bromance, almost like uh, you know, the, the Dean Smith and Jack Grealish were said to have kind of a a father son type relationship um, on and off the field. Um, one of the only things that, that Jack Grealish has said, which I don't think did get him into trouble with Villa fans in the beginning part of his move, was when he tweeted his support to Dean Smith uh, when Dean Smith was fired. So, Perslow, was that a smokescreen then, Andy? Was Perslow just using that quote-unquote continuous improvement as a smokescreen to get rid of Dino because he didn't want Dino anyway and wanted a kind of bigger name manager? Do you think, or do you think they really believe? Hey, we can just this Premier League's a piece of piss. We can just improve year on year, no problem. <laughs> I think they perhaps back. They wanted to obviously back their their judgment in terms of the recruitment, didn't they? And we were all very happy with the recruitment at the start of the season, weren't we? But it's it's clearly not not worked out very well. And if you, you know, I I will sit here and say that the best signing we made last summer was Ashley Young. You know, which is fine, and that's no no disrespect to Ashley Young, but 
that shouldn't have been the case. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm very, I've been very disappointed thus far with with certainly with the three the three big players we signed last summer. Um, and and uh, I mean, to some degree, um, you know, the players we signed in in January as well. Um, albeit it's been lovely to watch Coutinho do his thing, but um, I don't know. I, it was smoke screen. I I think it's the that's the mantra mantra of the ownership and the and Perslow, isn't it? The the continuous improvement. I just think it's a bit much to hold a manager to that when when you've you've sold his his best player from under him and um and his captain and you've also let let two two vital members of his his backroom team go as well and again we don't know just to reiterate this point we don't know that Dean Smith would not have improved upon um he left so early he left in November i mean if you look at the run that, that Newcastle have gone on as a, as a, as an example you look at what Conte's done at uh, Spurs as an example, how he's turned that, that side around, who were you know, going nowhere fast under Nuno. It isn't, it isn't inconceivable. Obviously, we don't, know, we don't know either way, but it isn't inconceivable that Dino would have turned the ship around when he started to get his players fit again and that they, we would have made a charge towards the top 10, which I think would have been, would have been again, that would have represented continuous improvement. We'll never know because they, 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 they took Dino out when they did. Ironically, after he lost five in a row, and here we are in April, having lost four in a row, with a tough trip away to Leicester coming up next. But you said uh, you said Coutinho there. I know that you want to talk about Coutinho, so probably we should uh, get into yeah, that. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, you know, there, you know, there's going to be now. I think a fair bit of noise um, around Philip Coutinho um, between now and the end of the season, really, or now until at least till a decision on his future has been made. Um, there have been some reports circulating that Villa may have may have gone slightly cold on the idea of, of making the deal permanent, um, with I think the Daily Mail, amongst others, suggesting that Villa might have asked Barcelona to um, substantially reduce the the agreed fee of, of thirty three million um, to uh, to make the loan um, permanent in the summer. Um, I mean, is this is this still a deal you'd like to see happen, and and what are your expectations, you know, for this now? Do you do you see him in a Villa shirt come come August? Yes, yes, I do. I do see him in a Villa shirt come August, but I think that there should be some reservations, and that is really bonkers for me to say. Imagine saying there's reservations about Aston Villa signing Philip Coutinho. I know how that sounds. I know that people are probably spitting out their tea as they hear me say that. But I think what we're seeing is in Philip Coutinho, we're seeing a player who has not fundamentally improved the team. I don't know that Villa are any better today than they were prior to his signing as an overall team. And this is also a, a, a deeper point about us wanting to get rid of lots of the players. Um, players like Matt Target, for example. <laughs> we spoke about that on the group chat. Everyone's like, Target's no good, Douglas Louise is no good, Tyrone Mings is no good. As soon as we replace them, we're going to be fine. Well, we replaced Matt Target with a better left back in Luca Dean. I mean, he can't stay fit, but he's a better left back. And the team has not improved. We've brought Felipe Coutinho into the side 
And overall, even though he's a better standard of player, you can't really say the team overall has improved. So it's really tricky. I mean, I think that Philip Coutinho is such a, a special talent that you can build, you build the team around him. But he's kind of like, not, he's not a complete footballer um, in that he does like his, his like attacking output and his contributions towards the attack is just so good. But he contributes basically nothing defensively and becomes a passenger out of possession. So I think that you really have to build around him a structure which safeguards the defence so you've got that kind of balance. And I think that he is a player worth doing that for. At, at the age that he is, 29, we could build a team around him for the next three years. So yes, I do think we should sign him. But I think that we have to sign him with our eyes open and with an understanding about what he is. For example, in the away games, it's been well documented. He goes walkabout, he goes missing in most of the away fixtures. So I think we just we do it with our, with our eyes open almost and we understand that this isn't, although he's a little magician, he isn't the answer to all of our problems. He's not this magic, uh, um, you know, he's not like this magic snake oil that's going to cure all ills. We have to build a structure and a system around him and bring in players that are going to do the, do, the, do the legwork. I think Didier Deschamps, the, um, the famous uh, well, French manager now, but also the, the French captain that won the, the World Cup and the Euros in 98 and 2000. Um, I think Zinedine Zidane coined him as the water carrier in that he was not a particularly talented footballer necessarily, but he carried the water for the rest of the team. Uh, more younger fans will probably recognise that as the Claude Makélélé role, where you have the water carrier in the team. So I think we're going to need a couple more water carriers in the team alongside Coutinho for, for that to work. Um, but I question whether Gerard even wants to do that. Gerard seems to be a manager, you know, he seems to be of the Kevin Keegan school of thought. He just seems to want all of his attackers on the pitch at one time. So this is a very meandering answer there, Andy, just because it brings up, so that question brings up so many other questions in my mind. Yes, absolutely, I think we should sign Philip Coutinho. But I think that we've seen now the good and the bad of Coutinho. Like when he came in, I've got a Philip Coutinho shirt, by the way. Um, I bought one uh, because I'm still just so delighted that he plays for us. And even if it's only for this short period, I've got that shirt now forever. And just got the memories of Coutinho turning out for Aston Villa. So it is, I'm smiling while I'm talking about it. It is magical. But it's like, a, it's almost like that holiday romance, Andy. You know, you're, I've, I've mentioned this before. You, you know, you're on holiday, you meet someone, everything's perfect. The sun's shining, the, the cocktails are flowing. You're walking barefoot and hand in hand in the sand and everything's perfect. But then you get home and you've got work and you've got bills and you've got rain and you've got kids and pets and, and family and all of a sudden, there's lots of other stuff that makes it less beautiful than it seemed on holiday when you had none of those problems. So he is the day at the beach, Philip Coutinho, but he needs he needs some real kind of workmen, some water carriers alongside him, I think, for him to work for the whole benefit of the team. And whether or not Gerard is going to be prepared to do that, whether or not you can be prepared to do that on a 29-year-old, really change everything and set up around him, Bearing in mind he has a, a tricky injury record as well. I don't know. I mean, what, what would you do with Evandy? What, what have you thought of him? What's, what's your take? 
Well, I, I mean, he's, to me, he's just superb. I, as a as a as a match going fan, I I just love watching him. I don't think it matters actually being a match going fan. I think you can enjoy it um, just just as well um, from wherever you're watching the game. But he's 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 just a a delight to watch, isn't he? And you know, he certainly um, creates those those kind of special moments, and he's just one of those one of those players. But unfortunately, as um, as our friend Dan put it, you know, <laughs> the other week, he's playing chess and the others are playing hungry hippos, um, <laughs> which is, which is, sounds harsh, but that's how it feels a lot of the time. And um, the I think the, the Spurs game, the first half in, in that game was a, a classic example of that. And you could see the frustration, you know, you could see he was just, he was just annoyed. He was just angry. Um you know that he's 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 doing these things, you know. But like you say, it works both ways in in a sense, I suppose. You know, um, you know, he the 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 off the offset of that is that you he he's he's kind of out the game when the other team have got the ball. Um, although I think he does a lot more running than than I expected. Um, but uh, I don't. I mean, I, I have no stats to back that up. It's just the eye test, really. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, obviously, I want us to sign him, but I only want us to sign him if it fits into a, a coherent plan in terms of how we're going to set up next season, um, and also um, that he he's essentially not blocking um, the pathway for for someone else. I mean, I, I did have this thought earlier that you know if you consider that last summer we lost Grealish, um, and then this summer we could lose his replacement. Um, Coutinho, and then and then also this summer, in the same summer, we could lose Coutinho's potential replacement, um, Chukwemeka. So um, that would be incredible um, to to lose all those kind of all that sort of attacking creative talent in the space of twelve months. So um, notice I haven't mentioned Buendia because I just I just don't I just don't think he's he he's up to that level. I think I think Buendia can do a job. I'd like to see him playing the number eight, but um, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, is it something you've considered whether if Coutinho was to go elsewhere, um, do you see Buendia taking that number ten shirt by the by the scruff of its neck and 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 making it his own? Yeah, I, I actually do. Um, I see Buendia as the as the understudy to Coutinho. Because uh, one thing that I didn't mention in my in my in my questions about Coutinho is, um, or may I may have mentioned I don't know, um, he has a terrible injury record. So if you are going to build the team around Coutinho, you are obviously uh, taking the risk. <laughs> You're taking your life in your own hands a little bit, in the fact that he is not someone who can necessarily stay stay fit. Um, although he has Touchwood stayed fit so far in his in his Villa reign. To be fair to him, so having Buendia come in. Yes, it's a step down, but Buendia has some of those qualities. And also, Buendia offers more defensively than Coutinho does. I think Buendia, I think that I saw actually, a, a, I don't know who it is, so I can't credit them, but I saw a video, a compilation of something that someone had put, put up about Buendia. And it was a compilation of all the chances that he'd made for Watkins and Ings and others with these beautiful side rule passes and where they'd fluff their lines. 
And basically the point of the video was, and credit to the Aston Villa fan who made that, because the point was very well received by me, although this was a few weeks ago anyway, that had we had strikers who could have finished their dinner, Brendia's assist numbers would be in the double figures at this point. That he, he was doing the work he was supposed to do, but he was being let down by some sloppy finishing. And we saw, I think, um, was it was it Southampton away? No, it was Brentford away. Just that uh, the one time it did work, or one of the only times it did work, where Brendia just did that magnificent turn, that kind of pirouette, puts a ball through for Danny Ings, and Danny Ings was a Danny Ings of old, the Danny Ings we saw, thought we were signing, and he just buries one in the bottom corner. So we have seen flashes of it, and I do think Buendia has that. But to go, to look at it as, as a macro level, if you're going to be a big club and if you're going to do this pro- this continuous progression, as Perslow you know, claimed that we're going to try and do, having someone like Buendia in reserve is the kind of player that a top six side would have in reserve. Chelsea have got those kind of players in reserve. Tottenham have got those kind of players in reserve. So why shouldn't Aston Villa have those kind of players in reserve? I absolutely think of all the summer signings, um, Bailey, Ings, Young, and of course, um, um, uh, Buendia. Buendia is the one that for me is the is the absolute keeper. Uh, whether that's to be part of the team or whether that's to be as a backup to Coutinho, I think Buendia has something and I think that he is only going to get better, particularly if he has a striker in front of him that can that can finish these these chances and see the runs that he makes. Um, so yes, in short, I absolutely keep Buendia. Okay, so we'll we'll, we'll wait and see on that one and uh, see how he progresses next season. If he's if he's still around and if Coutinho is still there, I I just hope so. I just I just can't. The, the problem I'm having at the moment is that I can't picture how the summer's going to go because part of me thinks it's going to be maybe four or five big players leaving the club and obviously being replaced somehow. Um, Whether there's going to be, you know, players such as maybe Chukwameka if he stays, Cameron Archer, players like that, that that will be more involved next season um, and relied on more heavily. Um, Or whether it is going to be a case of four, five, six new, big new signings that are going to go straight into the first team. I mean, it's... it just there's no there's no real sign or or um idea at the moment i think of of of, of how it's going to look uh, next season but it just feels like things need to change an awful lot and uh you know and for Coutinho to decide to stay as well he's going to want to know that his efforts aren't going to go unrewarded and um you know that he is going to he is going to look good because he's going to be playing in in a team that's that 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 benefits him better. I think it's going to be scorched earth, Andy. I think <laughs> I think Gerard's going to burn it down. Um, quite quite frankly, I think I think we're going to see big players go. Um, I really do. I think Konza's going to go. I think um, I think obviously our star left back target is going to move on to Newcastle, which is going to bring a tear to your eye, Andy. Um, <laughs> But in all seriousness, I, I I can see obviously the likes of El Ghazi, Trez, uh, Wesley, those guys. We know they're done anyway. I mean they're finished. Aston Villa, Harahan, also his a special mention for him um, because obviously he's been on loan for so long that we forget he's a Villa player. But also he's coming to the end of his contract, and 
he's one of the most important players actually in Aston Villa's recent history and I, I just want to mention his name because he'll be moving on as well and I think that he's kind of been forgotten and I don't like that. Um, so Harahan will be gone. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think Douglas Louise will be gone. I think Carney Chokwemenko will be gone. I think Ings or Watkins, one of them will certainly be gone. I wouldn't be surprised if it was even if it was Watkins actually. So I think some of the key players from that Dean Smith side, the Dean Smith spine if you like, Douglas Louise, Konza, Watkins, I think those three, I think that the spine could be torn out of the team. I think those 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 guys will be gone. I think that Gerard is um I get the impression that he is just furious, actually, with the players. I don't necessarily know that his fury is is reasonable, but that doesn't matter. Emotions don't need to be reasonable, Andy, <laughs> as we know in life. <laughs> Emotions do not need to be based in any kind of fact or reason. But I think that Steven Gerrard is furious with the players. And I think that he is going to burn it down and start again. And um, And that terrifies me a little bit. Because we've seen what happens when Villa rip a squad apart and 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 buy a new one from scratch, invariably uh, it, it goes very badly. We saw in our first Championship season it went very badly. We saw in our last Premier League season it went very badly. And based on the recent recruitment, I don't trust Perslow, Langer, McKenzie. I don't trust them to get it right. I can trust them to get two or three right. I don't trust them to get eight or nine right. I think if we do that, it's a big, big gamble. But it's also exciting, like, you know, having a bunch of new players in, having a whole new team essentially lining up in August for Aston Villa, you know, it is also exciting, but that doesn't mean it's not scary, Andy. No, it isn't. And, you know, you just you just start to, you, you see the excuses coming then next year, don't you? Well, it's it's a transition year, you know, we're getting, we've got a lot of new players, they're trying to bed in, they're trying to, and you can see it coming a mile off, you know, and it's 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 just it's it's not continuous improvement. It's a continuous excuses, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. it's it, that's how it seems to be. But, you know, I mean, you have to say, you know, well, most most fans would say things are better now, you know, than they were. You know, we were in the championship before things are better and. It's that stability which we all craved, isn't it, of mid-table mediocrity. Um, um, I didn't. I much preferred the championship. It was much fun, much more fun as a fan going. But clearly, you know, the the, the means to the end is to get into the Premier League and be be competitive amongst the big boys again, which is where we should be. And um, at the moment, that's where we are. And you know, it's 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 been a very disappointing season. It's been a very stop-start season in terms of lots of breaks, lots of, even like last weekend, you know, no game on Easter weekend. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Um, you know, so we've, we've constantly been sort of getting back up to fitness, if you like, back it, you know, there's, there's no momentum and maybe that's contributed to the, um, to the, you know, the kind of on and on off form, um, who knows, but, you know, I'm just look like everyone. You know, you look forward to the start of the season, and then by the halfway through, you want the season to finish. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's that endless cycle, isn't it? But um, you know, looking look, looking forward to, to to the summer really, and seeing what they bring, seeing what seeing what happens um, as we go as we go forward. Um, it's certainly going to be interesting. Um, but la- last weekend, 
so the 125th birthday of our wonderful, iconic Villa Park Stadium, uh, with the club celebrating some of the great moments um, that we've had at the ground. Um, it is interesting looking at some of the old the old images of Villa Park as it has taken on a few different appearances over it, over its long uh, life. Um, but it has been the, really the next phase of its development, which has been in the news recently, as, as Christian Perslow set out some big plans, um, mainly focuses around around the North Stand, as they will rebuild the stand entirely in order to add a further 10,000 um, onto the stadium capacity, um, whilst also updating the hospitality areas in the Trinity Road and um, redeveloping the, the infrastructure behind the North Stand to enhance the site's um, entertainment offerings, if I can put it like that. Um, this, of course, seems seems like welcome news, and and we've been waiting for this redevelopment really for the, for around um, well, probably a couple of decades really since since uh, Deadly Doug was there. Um, are are you pleased with the plans? And, and crucially, can Villa kind of provide a team that that for fifty thousand fans will will want to go watch every week? <laughs> I think yes, yes, they can. I think um, I think progress is difficult. Anytime you try and change anything, um, Villa Park is so iconic, and it means so much to so many people that um, there has been some kind of uh, resistance to some of the changes, and 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 it is sometimes difficult to 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 make these kind of changes. But Villa are pressing ahead, all the same. Um, and, and but Villa Park needs some redevelopment, and and more than Villa Park, I think we've spoken before about the um, the Inner City Academy. The area of Aston is um, is, is an area um, with 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 lots of individuals um, who are who who may be struggling in terms of their socioeconomics, and for Aston Villa to try and beautify and invest resources and infrastructure into that community, I think is going to be really crucial. And one of the most important things that they can do is actually another thing we've talked about on this podcast before is is, is try and improve the transport links, not only for the obviously the additional 10,000 capacity uh, uh, in terms of the football fans coming in, but also for the, the, the local people. So they have better opportunities to commute into the centre of Birmingham. So they have better opportunities to to use public transport to to make the area more accessible and more uh, desirable for, for commuters and for workers. And, and that's a way that they can help regenerate the area as well. Um, but yeah, I am, I am really really pleased that, that Villa are moving into the new realm. Again, earlier, as I said about uh, Buendia, being on the bench is a sign that Villa want to be a top six club because that's how top six clubs behave. Top six clubs also have, uh, with the exception of Chelsea, who obviously have had a little bit of, shall we say, oil support <laughs> in terms of their <laughs> climb to the to the summit of English football, English and European football. Um, big clubs have... 50,000 plus seater stadiums and they fill them. Um, Arsenal do, obviously Man United do, Liverpool do, um, Tottenham do. Tottenham have probably one of the best stadiums in the world. So again, if you want to compete with these teams on and off the field, you have to have the infrastructure and you have to have the capacity and you have to have the stadium to do so. Um, so this is, this is encouraging news. And while we may... Um, while we may debate the signing of a, 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 an Ashley Young or Matt Target being sent on loan stupidly, as we know Andy, you're upset about, we can just debate these small kind of decisions at the club level. 
but these are the big decisions in terms of the infrastructure that's going to last for a generation. Them investing into um, into Villa Park now, those improvements will stand for decades to come. I remember when I was a lad. I think the last time <laughs> last time there was any kind of meaningful development of Villa Park was when I was a boy. <laughs> I think they redid the, uh, the 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 Doug Ellis, and then a few years later they redid the, the Trinity Road, knocked that down, and kind of started again. So we're going back over twenty years now um, since I was a lad. <coughs> so uh, <laughs> so it's it's long overdue, and um, and again I'm I'm really pleased about it. I'm really excited about it. I know that not everyone's on board with it, and that's fine. That's normal, but. Um, the 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 iconography, if you like, of Villa Park is going to be restored. It is a, I think, a Grade Two listed building anyway, so you can only do so much with it. So they're going to have to protect the integrity of Villa Park in terms of any developments that they make and anything they can do to again inject some cash, revenue, and infrastructure into the surrounding area, which needs it. I think is good for the community. It's good for the community of Aston. Good for the city of Birmingham overall. And um, yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone being that opposed to it. I think, I think there's some cynicism around, and I, I, I think I've probably had some cynicism around the fact that they're they're increasing the attendance, um, which is all very well at the moment when you've got twenty thousand on the waiting list for season tickets. But you know, thinking back to you know days gone by, it didn't take an awful lot for those attendances to to dwindle down to sort of. 30,000 and below at times even when we're in the Premier League so um I, I do worry about the 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 nature of um a large chunk of Villa's floating fan base if you like and that you know that um although the hardcore are always there come rain or shine um that there are you know a vast number of Villa fans who will vote with their feet if things get a little bit sticky so um they need to watch for that um, I think, but nevertheless, I think whatever way you look at it, that north stand needs knocking down <laughs> and, and rebuilding better and um, bigger, you know, and making it fit with the rest, the rest of the, the stadium. It's it's funny you talked about when you were you were you were a boy going down because I can remember when I went down, the north stand was the the posh new stand and. Uh, it was. Um, I was amazed by it. It just seemed so different to the rest of the ground. Um, obviously, the Trinity Road was was a beautiful old old stand, and that's where I had my first season ticket. Um, you know, and it looked over onto the the Whitton Lane stand as it was, um, which was one tier, tiny little thing. And obviously, the the whole end was very grand, but it was a uh, you know a, a single tier sort of standing area. So. Um, you know, it has completely changed. It will have completely changed by the time this happens. It every every side of the stand will have been um, updated at some point during my lifetime, which will be uh, which will be nice. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, it certainly needs doing. Um, and I guess the 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 developments behind the stand using that that space that they have to hopefully um, improve. Um, obviously match day experience for people but also maybe um in between match days and and, and turning the area into into more of a destination um outside of match days which which might be um again beneficial for that for that community um and so on um 
so yeah, it's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? You know, it's got to be a nice thing if they can, and if they can get it done, as Perslow seems to think, you know, we'll be able to do it in between the seasons. Um, you know, so it shouldn't disrupt um, attendances too much and, and that sort of thing. So hopefully they can, hopefully they can, but it's it's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is a good thing. And, um, and, and, and again, if we want to be a top club, we have to do top club things. And that includes having state-of-the-art facilities. We know the training ground's already been invested in and it's been redeveloped. And um, the the the, devel- the redevelopment and uh, of, of Villa Park is an absolutely you know key part of that vision. And the only way to progress as a football club is to make sure that these things these things are in place. It's just as simple as that. A, th- a thought I've just had is um, they were talking about safe standing as well, and maybe that being part of the new the new stand, the new uh, North Stand, and whether some of the whether that would attract some of the Holt end, um, you know, the traditionally the the kind of vocal side of the ground um, in the Holt end, whether some of those um, people would prefer the, the safe standing option in the North stand and will it kind of, um, you know, generate more of a, more of a cauldron type of atmosphere in there, sort of spread the, the, the singing sections out, if you like. I wonder if that will be the case. Who knows? I would I would like to think that that's going to be a a, um, um, a a real a real boon for 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 maybe even some some older fans. Although to be fair, safe standing happened so long ago that uh, that any older fans might have trouble. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to make that joke. It's not funny. But the, there will be people that remember, and and that wasn't again the case for me um, because I'm just far far too young for any of that, Andy. But. There are people that 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 was their memory standing on the whole end as, as as a boy. I know that the likes of Ian Taylor, Stan Collymore have spoken about standing on the whole and swaying side to side. Obviously, safe standing puts the uh, puts the kibosh on any of that stuff for the most part. But there could be some some fans that 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 just are that feel that connection again to the game because it all has got a little bit sanitized. It is just a little bit commercial now, and that is. The, the, the standing, the safe standing at least anyway, harkens back to a, a, a bygone era where football maybe was a little bit more, uh, more, I don't know, almost purer, cleaner, if you like. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I'd, I'd like the idea of, of making that, that end, you know, like um, a bit like at Spurs, just one one bank of, 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 of standing. Um, I think that'd be great. Um, but... We'll see. We'll see what the plans are. I guess they'll be um, they'll they'll come out more once they've applied or once they've been granted permission um, to go ahead sometime in the summer. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, but getting on to on to on to the football again, and after a, a disjointed season with several enforced breaks, Gerard's team now have a fairly busy run until the end of the campaign. Beginning with an away trip to East Middle to the East Midlands to face Leicester City, Leicester themselves have had an underwhelming season, really, but but currently sit ninth, having um, lost last time out to, to Newcastle. Um, and Brendan Rodgers has, has also come under some pressure at various times during the season. Um, Villa beat Leicester at home in, in in December during the initial positive stages of Gerrard's tenure. 
plus we do have a reasonable record, I suppose, at the King's King Power, having won there last season with a, a Ross Barkley winner after a, a, an important draw there the year before in the Carabao Cup semi-final, which uh, which set up that incredible win to get to the final in the second leg. Um, this feels like an opportunity for Villa to to allay uh, some of the fans' fears and, and set up a positive end to the campaign. But given recent form, it's a huge challenge uh, and would appear like something of an upset if we come away with the points uh, on Saturday. How do you see this one going and are there any alterations that you think Gerard should make or might make for this for this match? Should make, yes, but unfortunately he doesn't seem to want to make any changes. We discussed why that is earlier, we don't know. Um, it seems illogical to me that you would have players that you're clearly unhappy with, players who aren't performing, players that have lost four games in a row, players that just lost 4-0 at home to Tottenham in what was the biggest defeat, I think, in two seasons, I think I saw somewhere. Apparently that's our biggest defeat since the... 6-1 hammering of Man City in the in the in, in the uh, in the season that we got promoted. Um, I'm not sure if that's accurate, but that's what I read. Yeah, anyway, so okay. just just to put that four 0 defeat in context, that's a, a, a very heavy home defeat. I mean, it is. I think lots of people were um, kind of seduced by the nice attacking football in the first half, and that's fine. But it was still a four 0 home defeat, which is completely unacceptable. So coming off the back of that, coming off the back of our poor form, you have to be concerned with the spaces that we leave. With James Madison, a player that I rate quite highly in magical form, if we leave those kind of gaps for him, we've already seen, I think he did it last season, you leave him any kind of space on the edge of the area, he's, he's, he'll bend one in the top corner, right foot, left foot, doesn't matter. And he's also got the skill to pick a pass. So I'm very scared about um, James Madison. I would like to see Gerard be a little bit more pragmatic here and, um, and, and, and reduce the chances that we concede and maybe having two sitters in there, whether he uses Marvellous should be ready to start now, whether he uses Marvellous and Louise as those two sitters or maybe we see Callum Chambers employed or maybe the young lad uh, Tim Arobunum gets a, a chance. I'd like to see those two sitters there just to protect the back four because, again, we're just in such terrible form now that you almost need to just get a point away from home, just try and park the bus a little bit to stop the rot. That's what I would do. But again, I'm the Aston Villa manager, Andy. Um, <laughs> I expect that Gerard will go all guns blazing. I would probably pick a 4-2-3-1. Um, again, I'd have Douglas Louise and uh, Marvellous sitting in front of the back four, and I would tell them, don't move. Your job is just to screen here, watch Madison, and make sure that we don't give away any soft goals. If if If... If if Leicester can work a work a, a good goal and score, then fine. But make them make them earn it, make them work for it. We can't have any more Aston Villa goal giveaway club. And then we're still going to have attackers in that four two three one. We can still have the likes of uh, Watkins. I would play McGinn as one of those players further forward, and I'd probably play Coutinho. Obviously, you're going to play Coutinho, and then uh, Jacob Ramsey, or or maybe maybe even give Chukwemeka a, a, a run out at this point to give Ramsey a, a break. So that's what I would do. I'd play a four-two-three-one with the with the, the those two defensive midfielders under strict instructions to guard that shop. <laughs> Don't do anything else. Guard the shop, lads, because I mean, look, the facts do not lie. Four defeats in a spin, a four-nil tonking at home to Tottenham. We need it. We need the protection right now. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure. Do you know? 
I should have looked this up really, but do you know if uh, is Jamie Vardy back back in contention? Is he playing matches now? I I will tell you because <laughs> I mean the thing the thing is that you know we we have had I've said about our good record, but that Jamie Vardy has has, has absolutely terrorised Villa over the years as he has done to a to a number of teams. In fairness, but the amount of times we've gone. We've gone with a high line against Leicester and got absolutely done um, over the top and, and through the middle is, uh, and of course we, you know, that's part of part of a, was part of our downfall against against Tottenham, and whether it's really a case of, you know, let's 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 just drop back a little bit and 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 protect our protect our um, eighteen yard box a little a little bit more. Um, certainly, if 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 Vardy is is in the side or or available I, I wouldn't be wanting to 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 push up too much let's just go there and keep things tight i think vardy apparently is is um is is a question mark he had an a, an injection in his knee apparently last week so they're waiting to see if that settles it down uh, wilfred ndidi is definitely out which is good news for villa because he's an excellent player is wilfred ndidi yeah, so we're getting our um, our number six back, and and theirs is is is, is perhaps missing for that one. So that'll be a bonus, <laughs> I think. <laughs> also, fair to say that we're we're playing uh, we're we're recording on Tuesday the nineteenth of, of April. So by the time we get to Friday, when this is probably released, <laughs> it could have all changed. It could have changed. Stands. Yeah, that that is very true, and it's all theoretical at this point. But. Um, yeah, I, I I I couldn't disagree with you really. I think I think we need to do something a little bit different. And having had the two week break, you know, they've maybe had chance to um to to look at that and look at some options. I'd be very disappointed if if we just go to Leicester and it's the same, the same eleven in the same system, and you know we get beat again because that'll just you 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 do start to think then well, you know what what are we what are we what are we paying this guy for really to to um. You know, to just do the same thing over and over again, but hopefully, um, there's something new um, on the cards, and, and and we'll certainly see how that goes. But um, do you want to do you want to give me a prediction? Oh dear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just I I I think I predicted four one. For the, for the Spurs, I, I I don't see it being much better if Gerard does the same thing again, which I think he will. Um, I think we're going to get tonked again. Um, I think Madison will score a couple, and I think it'll be very easy for Leicester if we give Leicester. I mean, it's really straightforward. If we give Leicester, if the team is set up in a shape as it has been against Wolves and Tottenham, where they where Leicester's creative players, particularly James Madison, are able to drive. To, to, to drive a semi truck, as they say out here in the states, through the centre of it, then James Madison will score a couple, and Leicester will win three nil, um, okay. maybe three one, because we might grab a goal. If Gerard chooses to be a bit more pragmatic, I think that probably we can we can hope for a, a draw, a, a nice nil nil draw, which would be really a good result on the back of four defeats away at Leicester, I think, or maybe a one one draw. Um, but I, I don't know. He hasn't. He hasn't shown me that he's he's going to change anything. So I don't know. Why don't you give me your score prediction? I will. I'll, I'll bounce off you. Well, it's it is hard, isn't it? Because we're even though we're seven games out from the end of the season, we we don't know. We just don't know what Villa team is going to turn up. 
You know, they could easily turn up and and, and rip Leicester to shreds, um, like they did to Leeds or or Southampton. But um, <laughs> equally, it could it could go the other way, and it's 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 not often you have that really. That situation just just depends on the you know what the players feel like on the day, and 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 that's that's very frustrating. I'll always go for. I never predict us to lose, so I'm going to go for two two. Two two. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go one one. There you go. I'm 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 gonna I'm I'm I believe that Gerard has seen us lose four in a row. I believe that he's seen us just get smashed four 0 at home. The worst defeat since the worst home performance since the 6-1 against Man City in the year that we probably should have been relegated and I think that he's seen the folly in his ways and I think that he's going to bring back Marvellous he's going to bring in Douglas Louise as well and it's going to be a little bit tighter and we're going to do a much better job much better job yeah always a bit of needle between Gerard and Rogers, I think as well and having worked together before and obviously in separate dugouts in, in Scotland so um you know, it's uh, it's an interesting battle on the uh, the touchline as well, but it should be. You know, hopefully it'll be a good game, and Villa will come and um, and and show their their better qualities uh, on this occasion, and they'll avoid that five match um, losing run again twice in twice in a season. That wouldn't be uh, very impressive at all. So hopefully they'll avoid that. But um, thanks for joining me this week again, Craig. Um, it's been a been a I think we've tried to pick the positives out where we can. <laughs> we've tried to be fair. I think we were. I think we were more. This was more positive than last week, probably because we haven't got the sting of that four 0 defeat. isn't isn't fresh in the uh, in the uh, in in the mind in the memory. That's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, thank, thanks again, and, and thanks uh, to everyone for listening. Obviously, head over to underagaslitlamp.com um, to check that check out the website and. And also give us a follow on the on the socials. Um, and if you are going to Leicester, have a great day um, and bring back the three points. And we'll be back next week to review that game and look ahead to the return of Dean Smith um, a week on Saturday. So join us for that. Um, all the best. Take care and up the villa.